we got a small message tonight, and we'll try to get to it. Um, book of Daniel, or cha- uh, book of Daniel, yes, chapter 7. Um, we've been in it for quite a few weeks, and so, but what I'm going to try to do is just lightly pick everybody up to speed, and then we're going to hit chapter 7. And so, probably need to get rolling as fast as I can, because I like to talk. Y'all know me, right? <laughs> so, okay. Book of Daniel. First six chapters are a history of Daniel's life. Okay? Um, Israel wasn't behaving. Israel was not doing what God had called them to do. And so... <clears throat> The Babylonians come on the scene, okay? And so Israel's king was not uh, one of the best kings that they have had. And so when we don't, I think this is pretty much the overall bird's eye view on the first six chapters of Daniel is because Daniel is the, the focus, is when you... Get it settled in your heart who you're going to serve. God will show up every time. And he did in Daniel's life. Every time Daniel and his boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, um, had purposed in their hearts from day one when they were brought out of Israel into captivity, into to Babylon. They had purposed in their heart to, they were going to serve God. They were going to... Uh, Whatever they were saying, whatever they were doing, whatever they were eating, whatever they were drinking, it was according to God's plan and his will. And in that, God had his hands around them and protected them through the whole six chapters of what's going on. Um, Like chapter one, um, they are pulled out of of Israel. They're taken into captivity. Babylon takes them. To Babylon and they want to train Daniel and his boys to serve in the king's court and so but you remember that um, Daniel asked the uh, the the key well the the governor of the eunuchs the the lead guy if they could eat something different than what the king was offering the king's wine the king's meat the king's um, just all his his delicacies and because they had taken a vow, they weren't they weren't supposed to drink. They weren't going to drink, um, and they wanted they just wanted y'all remember the, if y'all know the Daniel's the Daniel fast. It's where you know it's just vegetables and and water pretty much. And so that's pretty much what they did. And the 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 chief of the eunuchs said, okay, we'll test this for for ten days, and if if y'all are looking better than the rest of them, then we'll continue. We'll let you do that. And so what ended up happening was that they. They were better. They were better. Of course, that definitely has a little bit to do with the diet and everything. But ultimately, I think what it comes down to, through if you look in these chapters, uh, one on through six, is it's when you purpose in your heart to serve God, to to walk in His ways, God blesses you. He, uh, the Holy Spirit, back then was alongside them. Okay, and it's like uh, Chris explained that in the Greek, it's paraclete. Para means to come alongside. 
the Holy Spirit couldn't come in them because they still had sin and Jesus hadn't come and died for their sins and they hadn't accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So he couldn't be in them. Um, like the Greek word is uh, para is alongside in, E-N is in. And then uh, there's another one and um, it's not part of what we're teaching today, but there's another one that's being filled completely with the Holy Spirit. Um, and that we ask for every day. But it's like... Uh, in chapter 1, it says that Daniel and his boys had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had, had the spirit in them, had the, had, or not in them, but with them. And they stood out above everybody that they were around. It's, they were head and shoulders, kind of like King Saul. King Saul was head and shoulders above everybody around him. And the same was with Daniel and, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, so basically, uh, we get to chapter 2 and... Daniel and them have been, you know, being trained. They've been taught, being taught the Babylonian ways. Um, and they were just, uh, they were just shining. They were, uh, you know, uh, the spirit was with them and it showed. It's like it, it was, it, it shined. They were just shining examples. It's like God was with them. And you could tell, you, you, you knew it. Um, and they stood out. They stood out above um, just anybody and everybody around them. Um, crazy thing is, is what you have to realize is that these guys came from 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 uh, Israel and were being taught the Babylonian ways, the culture, the languages. The and the crazy thing is, is they were standing out above all those people that had been raised there. <laughs> okay, and that's how God can work. Is I don't care where you're at, you walk. Thank you, Carl. Whew. Thank you. <laughs> but you walk in God's ways, man, and he will, he will make you shine. He, he will give you wisdom, okay? And that's what he does is you walk in his ways. God will give you wisdom, and I don't care what it's, what it's in. You know, whatever God has put in your heart that you love, your dream, whatever it is, kids being a doctor or whatever, you do it God's way, and he'll make you the best doctor on the planet. That's how God works. You glorify him, and in due season, he'll raise you up. And that's what the word says. And so, uh, chapter 2, because I, I, I kind of want to lightly touch, because, ooh, chapter 7 is when we get into prophecy, and I love prophecy. So, um, I want to just lightly touch, if I can. Y'all just stick with me. Um, chapter 2 is where Nebuchadnezzar has, has his dream. And he has the dream of, <clears throat> excuse me, this huge statue, and it's got a head of gold, which we all know as you go through the chapter that it's, it's speaking of the kingdoms that are going to be on this planet. And it's actually the Gentile kingdoms, okay? And so the head of gold, and then the chest and arms of silver, and then the belly and the thighs of brass, and then the legs and the, the feet and the toes of iron and clay. These are all kingdoms, Okay? And from from greatest to least, okay, gold being better than silver, silver being better than bronze, and so on and so forth. And so, Babylon was the first kingdom. It was the gold golden kingdom, okay. And they were the greatest. Um, they conquered. They came in and they conquered. And, and as we get into chapter seven, you'll see Daniel equates each kingdom to an animal that that roams the planet. It's uh, um, a lion, 
which is the, the, the golden, the gold kingdom, Babylon. He equates them to a lion. And then um, as it goes down, it comes to the Medes and the Persians. And they are actually, it's, uh, I'll get to that in a minute. But because um, I'm getting way ahead of myself. But uh, um, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, he, and it takes Daniel, okay, to interpret this dream, to not only interpret the dream, but to tell Okay, Nebuchadnezzar, what the dream was, his his soothsayers, his mediums, his 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 guys, his uh, uh, psychics, if you will, that's what we call them today. Told him that there's nobody on the planet that can tell you what your dream was. We can tell you the interpretation, but we couldn't tell you what the dream is. There's nobody that can do that. And it, it it would take God speaking to somebody, and so in that you can see it in, in chapter two. They're telling you right there that they don't speak to God. They, they don't have any power. Okay. And so Daniel comes on and, and not only gives them the interpretation, but tells him the dream first. Okay. And then by God's power, God speaks to him and through him and shows him and reveals the dream to him. And then he explains that to Nebuchadnezzar. What you have to realize, though, is, is all through the first six chapters, you'll notice Daniel is praying. Daniel at the very least, prays three times a day, okay? God calls us to pray unceasingly. And so Daniel is about his father's business. It's like, and it, I, I want to kind of equate that to what we need to do every day of our life. Daniel's no different than me and you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are no different than me and you. We need to be praying. We need to be, and not, oh, thou Lord, you know, speak to him like like you talk to your friends, but with respect, but speak to him. That's how God wants to communicate with us and talk to us. He wants to talk to us all day long. And so this was Daniel. And as you'll see, if you go through all these, you know, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, you'll see Daniel, you know, he's praying for Nebuchadnezzar because the crazy thing is, is Nebuchadnezzar in the end comes around and his heart's changed. And he, I guarantee you, I'm pretty sure we're going to see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven. Even though he was a lost soul straight out of Babylon, you know, when it's, this all started out. But see, the power of prayer, it's real. It's real. And I can just attest from a personal, uh, and I know some of y'all know this, but uh, uh, power of prayer. I pray, me and my wife prayed for her daughter for seven years, probably more than that, but seven years hardcore to come out of the Mormon faith come to the truth and seven years and she did she came out of the out of that out of that and came to the truth came to the word came to God and is saved to this day and it's the power of prayer okay it works oh I drop a beat <laughs> anyway but you know the power of prayer Daniel it shows you here Daniel all the way through you know uh, the first six chapters, he, he, you see it. It's it's the power of prayer. It's God's. It's 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 it, put it this way. It's the Christian's number one weapon against everything out there, against Satan and all his wiles, all his demons, all, everything that's going on around you. It's the ultimate weapon. Satan, if he can keep you from praying, he's happy. He just wants you sitting there, just. Mm. Don't, don't, because he knows when you open up that sword, he's defeated right now, always. So, um, 
God reveals the dream to, to Daniel. Daniel explains the dream. He explains how the kingdom was going to happen. And in that, because Daniel could give the interpretation, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, Daniel's always being promoted. And that's what God says, is you humble yourself and in due season, God will exalt you. Okay? That individual that's being exalted has, is definitely have, he has his eyes on God and he is always glorifying God. And, and that's what Daniel, all through, that's what he does, is he's got God number one. He's, he's got focus. He's focused on, on God and he's walking that way. He's not, he's not like we can be. We can be, and I know I was, I was once, I, I, I would just, I was a hearer of the word. I'd, I'd listen to it and it's like, oh yeah, that sounds good. But then I turned around and it was like, <laughs> you know, who is this? Uh, it's not me. But yes, it was, you know, we, we, we hear the word, but God calls us to not only be a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. And so Daniel is a doer, man. He is, he, he walks what he talks. He, he's, he's there. He's got God in front of him and he's walking with God everywhere he goes. And so, um, chapter, we're coming to chapter three. Um, like I said, I just want to just like barely tap on this. Um, chapter three, I'll just go ahead and hit that one. Uh, is, is the image of gold. Nebuchadnezzar, he erects this image. And if you go through it, um, he tells the, the lyre, the flute, the harp, and all the... I mean, I just call it the band. He calls the band to kick it up and, and everybody's to, to bow down and, and, and worship this, this, this idol, this, this statue of gold. It was 90 feet high and like 60 feet wide. It was just huge. It, was, it wasn't solid gold, you know, but it was probably like they liked to do back in that day. They would, uh, they would mold something like an idol that they were going to worship. They would just, they would gold plate it. They would build it out of wood and then they gold plate it. And so this is probably what this statue was. But Daniel, you know, said, you know, probably not, not going to, not going to worship uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This, that's actually Daniel. Daniel was, was the, the governor of the governors, if you will, of the whole kingdom. What you have to realize is Babylon in that day, they were rulers of the world. This wasn't just like Europe. Babylon and, and all the kingdoms that come down, they were ruling the world, the whole world. And so Daniel was off. You know, that's why you wonder, because I often wondered, what, where was Daniel whenever they were thrown into the fiery furnace? Where was, where was Daniel at? Because he wasn't in there. It wasn't Daniel that showed up. He wasn't the fourth one. It's like, so what you have to realize is Daniel was busy. Daniel was over all of it. I mean, the only person that was ahead of Daniel was Nebuchadnezzar, the king. So Daniel was not there at that point in time. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't going to bow down. They weren't going to, to worship the idol that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had erected. And so um, they get thrown into the fiery furnace. This is what I want us to notice with Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because later on, there's another one um, where Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den. Because there's a 30-day edict that nobody prayed to any god. Basically, what they had done was made the king, King Darius, from the Medes and the Persians. We'll, we'll get to that. But they had made him a god for 30 days. Nobody could pray to their god. Nobody could do anything uh, religious, if you will. For 30 days. And so, what does Daniel do? 
Daniel's a praying person. He's three times a day up in his prayer closet with windows on the roof. And he's always facing towards, that's what they would do back in that day, is they would face their, where they'd face Israel, Jerusalem, where they were taken from. And so he's, he's praying three times a day. And of course, all the other governors, he was head governor, but then all the other governors had a little meeting and decided we're going to get Daniel because, you know, it's pride and it's jealousy. Like I said, I don't want to go deep here because, you know, it's not a whole lot of time. But um, basically, it came down to pride and, and jealousy that Daniel was the lead guy and he wasn't even from Babylon. He was from Israel. And it's like he was a captive, and that's what they even tell the king. It's like, King Darius, this is a captive. You know, he's, he's a, a slave. He's a captive from Israel, you know, from Jerusalem. And so they uh, kind of conspire to get Daniel ousted. And so he, y'all know how that story went, is um, he gets thrown in the lion's den. And this is what I want us to notice, and then I'm going to try to move on, um, is that how easy would it have been for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to say, you know what, we don't, we don't believe in this God. We don't believe that we know we don't believe in their gods, but how hard is it going to be? You know, how hard would that be just every time you hear the band, just to go ahead and, and just bow down? What, what? We know. We know we don't believe that. How easy would it have been to do that? How easy would it have been for Daniel to say, okay, you know, uh, we'll just do it your way. We're okay. I'm, I'm, I'm all right. We'll just, we'll just, it's all right. I won't pray. I won't pray for, for 30 days. What's a month? I mean, I pray three times a day at minimum all the rest of the time. What's 30 days? I can, I can take vacation on my praying and I can relax for 30 days. How easy would it have been? Because what you have to realize is there's a push, which is what we get, is peer pressure. There was peer pressure, number one, okay? And then we, we know we can get tired. We can get tired of, of doing what we do sometimes. Um, hasn't happened to me yet, thank God. But, you know, I mean, it can happen. We get tired of, of doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that. And how easy would it have been? I'm pretty sure it would have been pretty easy for Daniel to say, I'm good. I won't pray. I'll just walk around for a month. And but this is this is the point of all of this is he would have missed God's best. He would have missed the miracles. He would have missed God showing up. And how often does that happen to me and you? We 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 don't we don't stand. We don't stand for what we know we should. Um, there was a good saying, and I wanted to tell y'all. Um, but we don't. We do, it's, it's easier, that's what it was, it's easier to compromise than to stand up. It's, it's, it's always easier to compromise. It was then, it is now. But God calls us to stand up, you know. Uh, be convicted. Uh, have convictions. Be, be strong in our ways. Abide in Him. Walk with Him. Do it his way. Um, and when we do, we're blessed. We're blessed because of it. There's, uh, there's just a ton of, of, of rewards and just God's going to show up. You know, it's like miracles are going to happen. I mean, and it, and it does every day. 
a little less than maybe back then. But, you know, that's, I think that has to do with churches all around the world. It's, I, we've got, like it says, in the last days, we're going to have a falling away. And I think we're witnessing that. We were witnessing that. You look around, and how many churches have stopped teaching uh, marriages between a man and a woman? How many churches have stopped teaching that homosexuality? God loves them, but, you know, it's okay. They were, you know, they were born that way. And how many of them have, have actually put them in, uh, behind the pulpit? There's so many churches out here that, and as long as I live, I don't care if they tell me I'm going to jail tomorrow. I'm going to tell you with love that God loves that homosexual, but he hates that sin. Okay? It's an abomination. He loves them. He hates the lifestyle. If they don't turn from it, heaven is not their destination. And don't shoot the messenger. It's, it's straight out of his word. It's what he tells you. And I will teach it and preach it until the day I die. And the problem is, is that there's churches out there that are just getting wishy-washy. They don't, they're not teaching God's word. They're not being, they're not standing up. They're just kind of falling away. And it's okay for this. It's okay for that. It's, you know, um, I've actually gone to one before I started going here where they just put a scripture up on the teleprompters. And they would teach on that scripture how it, how it applied to them having a flat tire that day. You know, it's like, really? God says to teach his word line upon line, precept upon precept. Okay? In other words, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And so that's what we do here. And that's one of the main reasons I go here is because I've been to many churches before I found this one and it was years and years ago. Y'all wouldn't believe how old I am, and I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but I have been to many churches, uh, from full gospel to Pentecostal to, I mean, I've watched them flip down the aisles. No joke. <laughs> okay? I've seen some crazy stuff in my day. And, um, you know, pork chopping. God says just to lay hands. He, he doesn't say to send them into the back aisle over there. Um, you know, there's so much going on. And like I'm saying, the point is, is that churches and people are falling away from the truth. They, God's word says that they will not put up with sound teaching in the last days. So, and that you look around, that's what's going on. It's what's going on, um, which is crazy. It's like I said, I love prophecy. And the crazy thing is you can look around right now and you can see prophecy the word god's word in 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 where he is is telling us it's going to go which we'll get to in chapter 7 here and then on but it's there you see it it's all around you you'd have to walk through life like this to not see it it's happening all around us and like i've always said and i've i've, I've heard this and it's true it's it, cuz you can look around and see there's nothing else that has to happen in prophecy for jesus to come Okay, for Jesus' second coming, when he comes back, there's nothing that has to happen. It's all set, ready to go. Even to the point where, I don't know if y'all realize this, but 50, about 50 years ago, we couldn't see what was going on in Israel. We couldn't see what was going on in Germany. 
But now, all you got to do is pull out your, your smartphone and hit YouTube, and you'll see a live video or Facebook. You'll see a live video of something happening in Germany, something happening in Israel. You can see it right now, live. Okay, 50 years ago, we couldn't do that. And the point with that is, is that there's going to be two witnesses that are going all over the, the earth, uh, you know, bringing the truth, and they're going to be killed, and they're going to, be, they're going to lay in the street for three days. And the world is going to see it. The world is going to act like it's Christmas and give gifts, is what it says. How crazy is that? We won't be there. We won't. Anybody that's a born-again Christian will not be there. The rapture will happen before that. But the thing is, is that everything's in place for that to happen. There's scholars that couldn't understand how in the world is the whole world going to see those two witnesses laying on the street and then watch them rise the third day. Because God's going to raise them up. Now, I know Chris likes to say that he thinks it's uh, Moses and, and Elijah. And he says he, he's, he's got, you know, there's so many different scriptures that you can, you know, back that up. It's true. Um, me, on the other hand, I believe it's defi- probably definitely Moses. Um, or excuse me. No, excuse me. It's Elijah. I believe it's Elijah and Enoch. Because those are the only two that have not died, that didn't die. Moses died, and God himself buried him. Okay, yeah. And so, the reason why I say that is, is because, and this is a little rabbit trail, but um, God says it's appointed for man to die but once, and then the judgment. And so, in order for a theory to work, there can't be one scripture that that doesn't come together with it. And so... If it's Moses, there's a problem there. <laughs> yeah, Moses died. And so, now, and this is the thing. This is one of those minors. We, we don't major on the minors, and we don't minor on the majors. Um, if it's Moses, yay, good. Chris, you was right. I was wrong. It's like, yeah, as we're going up, you know, we'll know. And so it's all good. But could be uh, Elijah and Enoch, because those are the only two that were whoosh, taken up and didn't die. So, anyway. Um, back to it. I got to roll. Okay, Daniel's friends, they disobey the king in chapter 3, and they're saved from the fiery furnace. Um, this is another crazy thing about that, is when God comes in their life, when he came, that was Jesus, by the way, in that fiery furnace. We know it because anytime the Bible refers to an angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, that is speaking of Jesus. It's the Christophany, um, because we know that Jesus didn't, come about whenever he was born in bethlehem he's always been he's the godhead he's you know god there's god the father god the son god the holy spirit so he's always been he has he's the ancient of days he's he has no beginning and he has no end and so in the fiery furnace there's they're saved the crazy thing is that like i was saying when god shows up he shows up all the way okay when they came out of that fiery furnace they didn't even smell like smoke much less their hair singed, didn't even smell like smoke. But those ropes that had bound them were gone. Not a mark, not a scratch is what the word says. Didn't even smell like smoke. So this was just what I I want us to kind of look at with that is God needs us 110 for him. 
And when we're 110 for him, that's when he shows up. You can't be halfway. You can't say, well, I'm going to ride the fence on this one. I'm going to sit over here and we're going to see what happens. And then, you know, then I'm going to jump in with both feet. No, God won't show up on that. God needs us 110 all in. And when we're that, that's when God shows up and he, he does miracles like that. It's like you don't even smell like smoke. Come on. So, amen. So, um, chapter 4, um, Nebuchadnezzar's second dream. Okay. Um, oh, Neb, he's having dreams all the time. And the crazy thing is, is Daniel, he, he, he gives the interpretation. You know, this time he's dreaming of a, he has a dream of a big tree. And it touches the heavens and it can see all around the whole world. And it's got all kinds of beasts that are eating underneath it and birds in the branches and all this fun stuff. And so this time he doesn't ask the, the, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers, the, the psychics to tell him what the dream was. But he asks them to give an interpretation and they can't. And so once again, Daniel comes up, gives them the interpretation. Okay. And that's it's showing that. Um, Nebuchadnezzar has grown strong. And what you have to understand is, has God, all through this, it's trying to get the point across is that God puts who he puts in charge for a reason. And unfortunately, it's hard for me to see the reason in today, today's times with the one that's in charge of our country. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But <laughs> I'm hopeful. God put him in charge, though, for for whatever reason, you know, um, me personally, I think when you take God out of schools, when you take God and prayer out of everywhere and you take the Ten Commandments out of the out of the halls of justice, how do you expect to have justice really without God and the Ten Commandments? But you did. They think that you do. It's I think it's kind of like, here you go. Y'all don't want me here. OK, you know, God never forces himself on anybody, you know, uh, and so I think we're here for a reason. I'm praying, and I know that I'm not the only one, that God will, uh, will bless us, have, give us a last, uh, not resurrection, but uh, revival, if you will, so that it'll make it a little easier right before he comes, because I think he's knocking on the door. I think it's, if he was to come at, at midnight, it's 1159. And I'm not the only one that thinks that, but it's neither here nor there. It's closer than it ever has been before. Right. And so uh, I'm hoping that he at least gets somebody gets us somebody in there and praying that at least we can work. We can do we can do the work that God has called us to do to reach those last ones before he calls us home, because it's the rapture is about to happen. It is beyond close and it's just crazy. And so um Anyway, Daniel explains the second dream, and that's where Nebuchadnezzar's grown strong. God's put him in charge. Um, and then it shows how the tree's going to be chopped down. And what that's showing is that Nebuchadnezzar, he has a pride issue. He, he, he can't humble himself. And so God humbles him. And so he cuts down that tree, and he removes all the, the, the beasts and all the birds and and. and Nebuchadnezzar's left is, is, is pushed away from men and he goes and he grazes. He gets, he turns it. God basically turns him into an animal and he's grazing on grass. 
he, he, and it describes, you know, what he looked like and what he did. This happens, this goes on for seven years. And it says that, that God will restore him, his brain, his mind, and his kingdom after seven years. And that's exactly what happened. It was seven years exactly. And Nebuchadnezzar looked up. And that's what it took. And that's when he, okay, God. <laughs> and that's when God, boom, he, which is rare. Whenever a king usually in history uh, does what Nebuchadnezzar did, they're rarely, they're, they were never restored. This was, this was basically the first one. Nebuchadnezzar and probably the only, but Nebuchadnezzar was restored. His, he got his kingdom back. He got his brain back. He got his, he, God put him back. And um, like I says, that's exactly, that's exactly uh, what happened. Daniel, Daniel foretold, the dream was prophecy. Daniel foretold and said what the dream was. And that's exactly what happened. Um, and then chapter five, um, actually, whoa, let me back up. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar praises God. This is why I believe that we'll see Nebuchadnezzar in heaven is because Nebuchadnezzar got the right heart. He had a change of heart, and that's going to show. We're going to show that in chapter seven, is um, with the way things are are equated to with the kingdoms. You're going to see Nebuchadnezzar had a change of heart, and so God set him back on his feet. Okay, gave him his kingdom back, and from then on, uh, Nebuchadnezzar praised God. I wish what he had he had decreed was still decreed. <laughs> Because we wouldn't have Buddhism. We wouldn't have Islam. We wouldn't have anything. Because Nebuchadnezzar, that's one thing that was really, that's how you know he had a true change of heart, is because Nebuchadnezzar said, said nobody will worship or praise any god other than Daniel's god. And so it's like, wow, how would that have been if that would have stayed? <laughs> anyway, um, chapter 5. Um, Belshazzar. Belshazzar, what you see in here, um, it calls him the son of Nebuchadnezzar. And what you have to realize is the Hebrew language, the Chaldean language, there was no word for grandfather. And so it's written his son, but it was actually his grandson. Okay, it's just like when they say you're, you're fa our father Abraham. It's the same, it's the same in there it's the same it's it's they he wasn't actually their grandfather or he wasn't actually their father he was their ancestry he was in their ancestry he was probably their great great you know on and on but there's no word for grandfather so they just say son and so what had happened here in chapter five um belshazzar is basically the grandson of nebuchadnezzar and the sad thing is is he grew up knowing what Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had gone through, uh, grown up in that. But it's crazy how God says it takes one generation for us to fall away from God. One generation. That means you don't teach your son, then your grandkids, they're probably not going to know. It's just one generation. And so this is what's crazy to me is Belshazzar, he knows what went on, yet... And the crazy thing is also is that Belshazzar, he... His father was king. He was kind of like co-regent of the area, of the, of the world, if you will. And what happened was pride and arrogance. Um, his father got captured. 
You know, I mean, through murder, I mean, before his father got captured, there was murder and, and just all kinds of crazy stuff going on. And so it just, the, the, the kingship fell to, to uh, Belshazzar's father, and then Belshazzar's father got caught captive and taken away. And so now Belshazzar's in power. He's the acting king here in chapter 5. And the crazy thing is, is it shows you, it shows you how pride can take over, how a lack of humility can make us think and do things that just make no sense at all, okay? Because Belshazzar says, he's got a, we all know what the Bible says, what God's word says, as far as kings, it goes with kings, they're not to drink. Belshazzar's having a party, okay? This is what's crazy to me. Is you've got the Medes and the Persians outside your... They're in Babylon, the biggest city, okay? And I think it's, uh, I think it's a, a feeling of, of, of security. They have a wall. I don't know if y'all realize this, but they have a wall. Babylon had a wall that was so wide that went all around the city that you could run four chariots side by side around that whole city. Four chariots side by side. I mean, that is a huge wall. And the crazy thing is, is that the city was so big, they had 20 years of food stash. So that's what, you know, conquering uh, kingdoms would do is they would sometimes they would surround a city and they just starve them, starve them to death. And so then they just come in. They're all weak. They're all done. They come in and take over. Well, that's why Babylon was almost impenetrable. And that's the problem is. That's what they thought. They were impenetrable. So you've got the Medes and the Persians coming at you. They've already taken your dad. <laughs> so, hey, let's have a party, right? That's Belshazzar's thinking. We're going to have a party. So he's got a thousand of his, his governors and all of them, and they're having a party. They're just, you know, tearing it up. And this is where Belshazzar messes up. He tells his, his servants to go get those, those vessels, those gold and silver vessels that my dad or my grandfather had taken from the, the, um, the temple in Jerusalem. We're going to pour those full of alcohol. We're going to, you know, we're going to just mock God, okay? And so they do that. <laughs> they bring those, those, you know, glasses and, and pour them full of wine, and, and it's just party time. Meanwhile... What you don't realize is it doesn't exactly show it here. Um, the Medes and the Persians are diverting the Euphrates River. The Euphrates, the, Babylon was so big that Euphrates River ran right through Babylon. Okay, And so what the Medes and the Persians did is they don't need to go through that wall. They don't need to knock that wall down. They just diverted the Euphrates River and they just came in underneath the wall. <laughs> you know, crazy thing is, is Belshazzar, you know... It, just full of pride thinking you know what we're safe here man let's party it up that's when the hand comes and writes on the wall meeny meeny tekel you farson okay and that's where we get our saying what's crazy is what was that 25 27 2700 years ago it's where we get the 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 saying oh the writing's on the wall we still say that to this day this is where it comes from and basically um, what it what it means is um, meaning meaning means numbered. In other words, the kingdom was numbered. He's he's telling this to Belshazzar. Your your num your days are numbered. Your kingdom is numbered, 
Tekel means you've been weighed and measured and been found wanting. And then Eupharsin means divided. Your kingdom will be divided. Okay? And so the crazy thing is, is God has revealed this to Daniel. Okay? The crazy thing is, is that the Medes and the Persians came in. Okay? And if you will, the representation of the kingdoms is the, the chest and arms of silver. Arms, Medes, Persians, your kingdom will be divided. And so that's what happened is he lost the kingdom. Of course, he needed, Bel- he needed Daniel. Daniel's about 80 years old now, and he calls Daniel into the room and, and wants him to explain. And the crazy thing is, is he kind of talks down to Daniel. And that's kind of crazy because, I mean, Daniel, Daniel's always shown himself to be humble and wise and, and, and the guy to go to. This is the go-to guy. And so it just shows you, excuse me, Belshazzar's um, heart shows you his perspective, if you will. Like the Bible says, man, it's hard to see in the dark when you are in the dark, whenever you don't have God. It's the same way with Satan. Satan can't see what's fixing to happen or getting ready to happen. He can't see it because he's in the dark. It's the same here. Belshazzar, uh, in his pride and his arrogance, which is what I want you all to notice today is that it says in the last days that uh that men will be arrogant lovers of themselves lovers of money and it it goes on but look around it's exactly before the second coming of the lord but that's what's going on you look around you how well does that fit our society and today right now Everybody walking around. It's like, look at me. Got to do those. It's, it's what, Sunday selfie day or Saturday selfie day. It's like, look at me. I'm in the middle of this. You know, it's what's going on in our society today and around the world. It's all about me. Look at me. Got the, got the selfie stick out there. You know, oh, wait. You know, got to do that. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's where we're at. It's, it's society today. That's why I say... If you look around, you can see it. I'm not saying that it is, but you can see it. God could call us the rapture could happen tonight. I mean, that's it could. It, it might. It might not. It could be a month from now. It could be a year from now. But just know that it could be tonight. And I just want to encourage and impress because God has been on me for since for, for eight months now is to encourage all of us believers to get up get up out of our chairs and and not be a couch potato christianity is not a spectator sport man it's an god wants us involved he wants us doing be about our father's business let's reach every person that we can out there because ultimately not only has god called us to do that but he's equipped us to do that if you've invited jesus christ in your heart and you don't know this bible God has still equipped you to go and reach that lost person. He has. Because he tells us. You know that because he's told us. Okay? Go and make disciples of nations. God will never tell us to do something that he hasn't first equipped us to do. Okay? And so, and like I want to say, God doesn't send the equipped. He equips the sent. So, God says that he'll give us that word in that hour. And so I just want to encourage us all to 
get up out of that chair and, and, and go and, and reach that person. God will open that door. God will equip you. He'll give you the words to say. I know it's going to be awkward because it was awkward for me the first couple of times. Um, I even had somebody yell back at me, you know, and it's like, whoa, <laughs> you know, I saw fangs. It's like, whoa. But you know what I, I realized is that individual right there is closer than anybody that I have ever witnessed to because it, 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 it got them. It's like, he's like ready to, to pounce. It's a good thing he didn't, but anyway, no. <laughs> you know, the thing is though, is that he, he was, he's ready. He's just right there. And so I, you back up cause you know, you don't want to take this and beat him over the head. You know, you don't want to do that because you might not be that last person. You might not be the person that says the prayer with them, but you are a seed. You are a part of that that process it's they say that it takes seven times to hear to be witness to to hear the word of god before they finally come to the truth if they're going to come to the truth and so you could be number three i've been number one i've been number three i've been number five you know and i've been number seven and i tell you what that is an awesome place to be there is i don't i've done a lot in my 50 years and it's you know, there's nothing that touches that. There's nothing that whenever you pray with somebody and they say the prayer and they invite Jesus Christ in their heart as their Lord and Savior, it's a high beyond highs. It's, a, it's, it's just, it's amazing. And so the crazy thing is, is that also God thinks that's an awesome thing because it says whenever one comes to him, as his Lord, you know, invites him into his, their heart as his, their Lord and Savior. It says that the angels in all of heaven erupts in celebration. And so, you know, man, when that's going on up there, you know, you're going to, you're going to, God's going to allow you to experience that. So I'm just encouraging y'all, you know, um, uh, witness, man, be about our father's business, you know, because that's, that's what he's got for us. That's, that's our mission. That's our, if you, if you're confused about what our mission is. That's it, is to, to, to take the truth. Be, we're not, not the harvest bringer. We don't bring the harvest in. That's God's job. All we're to do is to drop the seed. Just drop the seed. That's all God says, drop the seed. Tell them about me. Tell them about me. And, you know, with love and tenderness, and, but boldness, you know, you got to bring it. But that's the thing. God will bring in that harvest. If, if you have told somebody about God, then you already have victory. You have victory. Whether they come to God or not, God is standing up going, thank you. That's what he's called us to do. That's all he's called us to do is to tell them about him. And so that's what we do. And just like I said, just an encouragement. You know, let's get up. It's not a spectator sport, man. Let's, let's, let's get in the game. Put me in coach, right? And so um, chapter 6, the plot against Daniel. This is where Daniel... Um, he uh, is not supposed to pray. He gets thrown in the lion's den. Crazy thing is, is that uh, God, once again, the angel of the Lord, Jesus, shuts the lion's mouths. Okay? And so Daniel hangs out all night, hanging out with the lions, kicking it. I personally don't like Detroit, but anyway. <laughs> Some do. Some do. You got the right to be wrong, but anyway. But... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he, God comes on the scene again, shuts the lion's mouths, 
crazy thing is, is that, ooh, you don't want to be on the other side of that. Because I don't know if y'all realize, but it says that when Daniel came out and all those that conspired against Daniel get thrown in, they didn't even hit the floor. They was eight. Yes, they was eight before their bones hit the floor. Woo. So anyway, just a, a light warning. Be on God's side. Don't ever cause one of the children to stumble because God says it would be better that a millstone be tied around your neck and you be cast in the deepest part of the ocean. I don't want to experience that. So let's be about our Father's business, right? And so now i got to fly because now we are to chapter 7. Um, like I said, the first six chapters, they were a history of Daniel's life. The next six chapters of Daniel are prophecy. And I'll tell you this right now. It's sad that we have liberal theologians, but they are out there. They are even in Bible colleges, okay, teaching that, well, you know, Daniel, even though, you know, we know that it was written eight, about 800 years before Jesus even came on the scene, they say there's no way that that Daniel, the book of Daniel was written. It had to have been written after Jesus came because it's so accurate. That's how crazy it is. The book of Daniel is so accurate that you have, and I use the term very loosely, you have uh, theologians, you know, saying that there's no way that this was written when, it, when we think it was written, okay? But what, they're, what they never get or what they have lost is that God's in it. God's in it 100%. He's always there. Uh, when it comes to prophecy, okay, the, the prophesier, the individual that's, that's, that's bringing so-called God's word has got to be 100% accurate 100% of the time, okay? God says in, in um, Deuteronomy, what is it, 13 and 18, he says, run from the false prophet. Run from him. Have nothing to do with him. Back in Jesus' day, they would stone them if they had one false prophecy. And so, what we need to look at, apply it to today. You've got, you have Nostradamus, okay? Nostradamus, he was a false prophet. He, the only prophecies that ever came true were the ones that he plagiarized out of the Bible, which was what gave him notoriety, okay? He was wrong, and he's vague, and he's all this. You look at Daniel. When we get into this, you're going to see it, Daniel's exact. It's exact. It's exactly how, how the, the kingdoms went. It's exactly what ends up happening, um, how time goes. And what you have to realize is God's not, Jesus is not, and God is not in in time. That's how God knows the beginning, the middle, and the end, and everywhere in between. Because God stands outside of time. We are in time, and God made time for us. Okay? God stands outside of time, and he sees all. He sees uh, uh, Noah. He saw Hitler. He's, you know, he, he's going to see, he sees the Antichrist. We won't. Because like I was saying, is prophecy says in first thessalonians and second first thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16 and 17 and second thessalonians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 very clearly states that the church will be called out and then the son of perdition will be revealed and so um the church not being a a, a denomination or a building but people 
around the whole world that has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. That's the church. And so we're going to be called out. We're going to be pulled out. So um, um, let's see. So, okay. Now, what we know is that um, Babylon had come on the scene, okay? Um, They were conquered by the Medes and the Persians, okay? And then it went to Greece. It went to the the Grecians. And what's crazy is Daniel will give us an equivalent to an animal up until the fourth kingdom. Fourth kingdom, um, that's where we are right now. And that's the Antichrist. And he's going to show up on the scene. And like it says, we're not to be looking for the Antichrist. We won't be here. We won't see that. Um, so I want to get into it. Uh, here's the visions of the, of the four beasts. In the, chapter 7, verse 1. In the, let me, I better pray this up. I've been rolling. I ain't even prayed this up. Holy smoke. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is here, Lord, that uh, you send the Holy Spirit to minister to us. We ask that you would give us ears to hear you, Lord, and a heart to see you. We thank you for your word. Uh, just help us to apply it, Lord. Help us to, to walk it and talk it and teach it and preach it, Lord. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Whew, I forgot that. Number chapter one, uh, chapter 7, verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. See, that's another thing that you'll have to understand. Chapter 7 chronologically doesn't come after chapter 6. When we read this, you're going to see, because Daniel's talking about Belshazzar, the king. So basically what, where this falls is about 14 years before the den, before the lion's den, before Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den. Okay? And this is prophecy. What you have to realize is, is Daniel had wrote this long before all of this had happened. He wrote this on his bed. He's writing these visions. He's writing these dreams down. And it's pretty bold. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy because, you know, back in that day, like I said, a false prophet would be, could be stoned, stoned to death. And so, you know, Daniel's writing all this down. And so the cool thing is, is we know, you know, God was, God was in it. God was in it all the way. And so um, in the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head while on his bed. Then he wrote down the dream telling the main facts. Verse 2. Daniel spoke saying, I saw in my vision by night and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up in the great sea and the four great beasts came up from the sea, each different from the other. First of all, usually in the Bible, when they talk about the sea, the great sea, it's usually referring to the Mediterranean Sea. What you have to realize, though, here is they're not talking about seas. They're not talking about waters. They're actually talking about culture, people, nations. Okay? And so, um, verse, let me see. Um, In chapter 2, I mean, in verse 2, if you look in Revelation 17, 15, you'll see... More so, it's talking about the sea. Um, Let me get there. Okay, come on. 17, 15. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw 
where the harlot sits are peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. So in other words, right there, it refers to exactly what we're talking about. It's, it's peoples, multitudes, nations, and tongues. Okay? Um, and what's going on is when he's talking about it's, it's, a stirring up, it's, it's stirring up the whole world around the Mediterranean Sea, but it's people and, and languages. And, but what's crazy is what's around the Mediterranean Sea? It's Israel. Israel's there. And so that's what's going to go on, and that's what's going on. As a matter of fact, today you can see it. But it's, it's all through history. You see it. It's, uh, people are coming against Israel. People, this, this, Israel, not even as, barely as big as New Jersey. And it's like the whole world wants to, wants to attack and blow them up. It's like, why? Why? It's demonic. It's Satan. Satan knows that Israel... And the Jewish people are God's chosen people. And so Satan, who's the Lord, little L, little G, the, little, the God, the little G of this world, it, he wants to ruin, he wants to, to, to destroy them. And all through this, God, of course, God has his hand on them and he's protecting them. Um, and he'll bless those that do. <laughs> Pray for them, right? Pray for Israel. But it, it, people are always going against Israel. Always coming against Israel. And it's not going to change. It's just going to get worse. Okay? Which you can see is going on right now. We were basically the, the last um, um, friend that Israel had nationwide. And we're not backing them anymore. And so that's what's crazy is because in the last days, God says that Israel would stand alone. And I never thought that I would see that. It's like, how in the world is that possible? America is going to stand with Israel until the end. And... Pfft, now we're not, <laughs> you know, matter of fact, uh, the individual in charge is giving tanks and jets and all kinds of military uh, equipment to the enemy, Egypt and Saudi Arabia and all those countries around them. And it's like, you know, OK, y'all can't see this. So but what's crazy is, is you see it. It's happening. Prophecy is happening right before our eyes. It's happening. You see it through Israel, but all those lands around Israel are going to come against her. And it's just going to get worse. Um, verse 3. And four great beasts came up from the sea, and, different, and, and each was different from the other. The first, verse 4, the first was like a lion and had eagle, eagle's wings. I watched till its wings were plucked off, and it was lifted up from the earth. And made to stand on two feet like a man. And a man's heart was given to it. Okay, this is speaking of the first kingdom. Babylon. Okay. It came in as a lion. They're strong. Okay. Uh, has eagle's wings. Moved fast. Okay. And that's what happened. Babylon came in, conquered uh, Israel. Uh, wings denote speed. Um, and if you'll look, I don't know if you might have picked it up here is that the wings were plucked off this was nebuchadnezzar when he had his wings when he lost his mind and he's sitting there grazing like an animal he was no longer quick and strong had his wings plucked and then it says uh had it was and it was lifted up from the earth and made to stand on two feet like a man this denotes a change of heart 
which is what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. He had a change of heart, and they set him back. God set him back on his two feet, okay? And a man's heart was given to him. That's where the change of heart comes into play. Um, um, but yeah, he was set, set on his feet, and he, his kingdom was given back to him. Um, so, like I said, we're running out of time, and I knew I would. I got to fly. Uh, verse 5, And suddenly another beast, a second like a bear, it was raised up on one side and had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and they said, Thus arise, devour much flesh. Okay, the second, this denotes, the second beast denotes the second kingdom. Okay, um, and it was like a bear. Okay, um, Medes and the Persians. Okay, um, second kingdom. Um, like I said, the first Babylon, head of gold. It was the ultimate, most powerful kingdom that will ever be, on, Gentile kingdom that will ever be on the earth. Gone, now you have uh, the Medes and the Persians, which is the, the, is the silver, is denoted in his dream by the, the silver uh, chest and arms, okay? And so what's crazy, like I told you before, is the arms, the Medes and the Persians. It was divided, okay? And so what you'll notice is um, it's like a bear, it's it, it's not as strong as a lion, but it's still strong. It's still ferocious. It's still they come in and they and they and they and they conquer uh, Babylon and they conquer the world and then they, they rule the world. Um, it's raised up on one side. What's crazy about that is is you've got the two arms, okay, and uh, uh, the Medes and the per- you hardly ever hear about the Medes, but you do hear about the Persians. Arctic Xerxes, you remember that? It's like the bear was raised up on one side, which means which means that the Persians became stronger than the Medes. So it was like the Persians were strong, the Medes were down here. Pretty pretty soon, you didn't hear much about the Medes at all. It was the Persians, but that's the bear being raised up on one side. It was stronger on 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 one side than the other. Okay, and then it says it had three ribs in its mouth. What's crazy is if you go back in history, you'll see that um, the the kingdoms that the Medes and the Persians had to conquer to, to rule the world, there were three kingdoms, okay? That's the three ribs in its mouth that it crushed. Babylon, number one, Assyria, number two, and Egypt, number three. It's crazy. This is prophecy, though. What you have to realize is, is, is Daniel had brought this way before this actually happened. But then you can see it. It's, it's, it's plain as day. The three ribs, the nations that, that they had to conquer to, to rule the world. It's, yeah, it's crazy. Lucky guess, Daniel? Lucky guess? Now, <laughs> God led, you know. Um, it's crazy. People... People, they say, I, you know what? I, I wish I could believe, but I just don't. I just, I, I, I don't believe. I need proof. I need proof that the Bible's real. I need proof that, that God's true and that the Bible's true. Well, you know what the answer is? Read it. Read it. It's right here. It's like you, if you're truly hunting proof, you want proof, read the word, research it, dig it like treasure, God says, and he'll reveal it to you. 
crazy thing is, is that they say, nah, I don't want to read the Bible. I don't want to read the Bible. I don't understand that. It, it, it's, it's Greek to me. <laughs> you know? Well, you don't want proof. Bottom line, if you want to know that God and His Word is true, read it. Because right here, it's like straight up prophecy, truth, God revealed. Uh, you know, you've got, you, you've got the second kingdom. And if you follow that prophecy, which was prophesied so many years before, and then you look at it, and there it is. There's the proof. Who can tell the future but God? Right? So, number six, verse six. Um, after this, I looked, and there was another, like a leopard, we would, a panther, we'd call it a panther, but yeah, leopard, panther, whatever, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads and a dominion, and dominion was given to it. This one, which you have to realize, is, is it's, it's super fast. It's the third kingdom. It's speaking of um, the bronze. It's, it's a little less than the kingdom before, a lot less than the first kingdom. Um, it's equated to a panther with wings, and it has four wings and four heads. Okay, this is crazy. It's like if you thought Babylon moved fast, this moved twice as fast. This kingdom moved twice as fast. And it was the Greek kingdom, Greece. Okay, and um, Alexander the Great. Y'all know... Y'all remember in your history lessons, uh, Alexander the Great, uh, he had conquered the world by the age of 32. 32 years old, he ruled the world. How, what? <laughs> Woo! How would that be? I can't imagine it, and I'm way past 32. <laughs> anyway, um, the crazy thing is, is that it had four heads. The, 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 the vision of the dream, it had four heads and four wings. Okay? Alexander the Great, 32 conquered the world that's like super fast that's like shoom. he came in and he kicked some butt and he ruled the world sad thing is is that what most people don't know about alexander the great was that he he was uh, unfortunately a sexual deviant okay he didn't see his 33rd birthday because he had uh, contracted a sexual sexually transmitted disease and was dead before his 33rd birthday how about that? And so what happened was there was nobody in, in his kingdom, you know, that, that was wise enough, smart enough that could rule the world. So what they did was they passed it down to his four generals, okay? Which now you see where in the vision what the four heads represent, okay? Um, who they were just for, for you know, history's sake. The first general was Ptolemy, Ptolemy, um, and he ruled Egypt and Africa. The second was Seleucus, and he ruled Syria. And the third was, now this is kind of crazy, uh, Lysimachus, Lysimachus, I don't know how you say that, but it's Lysimachus. <laughs> and he ruled Asia, Asia Minor. And the fourth was Cassander, and he ruled the Macedonian area. And so the crazy thing is, is that it's, it, it's exact. It's like, it, here's God telling Daniel, how these kingdoms are going to go. This is the way it's going to roll. And it came to pass exactly. It's like, uh, you know, four heads. That's the four generals. Um, uh, it's just, it's crazy. Um, but it's, it's God. You know, you can trust him. He's, all, he's in it. He's, 
He's the one. He's the one given the vision. And so this is the thing is like it says, God's 100% right 100% of the time. And so when Daniel wrote this down, like I said, he had wrote it down way before it ever had come about. And so, and it came exactly. Um, the fourth beast at uh, 7 7, chapter 7, verse 7. Um, after this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible, exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth. It was devouring, breaking in pieces, and trampling the residue with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns, and was was I was considering the horns, and there was another horn, a little one, coming up among them, before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots, and there in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking pompous words, in other words, blasphemous words about God. Okay, this fourth beast is so bad that Daniel can't even equate it to like a panther or a, a bear or a lion. He can't. It's so bad. Okay? And what we have to realize is that this kingdom is the kingdom that we're in right now. Okay? And what's going on is the beast, he has ten horns. And what that represents is after God has called the church out, this is what's going to happen. Antichrist is going to come into power and he's going to separate there's not going to be countries anymore. He's going to change everything. Time. He's going to change holidays. He's going to change everything he can. And he's going to divide it in the whole world. He's going to divide into ten regions. Okay? And that's the ten horns. And then it speaks of the little horn with eyes. That's the Antichrist. He's going to rise up. He's going to come into power. He's going to be um, very... Very charismatic. He's going to be good looking. He's going to be well spoken. He's going to be very smart. He's going to. There's not going to be famine anywhere. He's going to. He's going to. It's just. He's going to be. Everybody's going to love him. That's how you know it ain't Obama. Because, <laughs> wow. But everybody's going to love him. And so, <laughs> you caught that, right? So, yeah. It, but that's the thing is, is he's going to come to power and he has an eye like a human, like a, like a, like a man. And what that denotes is, it's almost like, it, it, do you remember the eye of Ra? Okay, that eye of Ra, that's what you even see on our dollar bill with that pyramid, with that eye in the middle there, it's all-seeing eye. And that's, it's, that refer, that, if you research that, that refers to Satan. <laughs> and now you've got this little horn with this all-seeing eye, and it's the Antichrist. And he's going to have people and eyes everywhere. Helping him to see, because the Antichrist is not Satan. Okay, the Antichrist will be fueled by Satan and backed by Satan, and then Satan's an imitator. He likes to imitate God, so the it's going to be the untru, uh, unholy Trinity is basically what he's he's going to bring, and it's it speaks in Revelation how the Antichrist is going to is going to be mortally wounded. Okay, and then he's going to come he's going to come back to life. That's when the Antichrist is shot. Probably in the head, and then Satan himself will come in and 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 come into the Antichrist's body and rise up and it's going everybody's going to be fooled it's sad, but it's what's coming, and we're not going to be there to witness that right so um 
what's crazy also is the Rome, the, it's, this is the Roman kingdom is what this is. This is the revived Roman kingdom. And what most people don't realize is that Rome, they weren't defeated. They imploded from um, internal corruption in the government. And so Rome just imploded. They, didn't get, they weren't defeated by anybody. And so kind of reminds you, you look around our government today. We have so much governmental corruption. It's happening from the top down. I mean, it can come all the way down to your city. It's just, it's our city here. It's, you've got corruption all through government. And this is what's going on. And so, um, he's speaking blasphemous words, you know, in verse 8. And, um, you see it, the ten horns, the, the, which are the regions of the world. And then you've got, you've got the revived Roman Empire that comes in. And what's crazy is, is back in, in that day, Rome had a League of Nations is what they called it. You can look it up in history and that's what it says. Is they're, they're a League of Nations. The crazy thing is, is what's the equivalent today is the UN, the United Nations. It's the revived Roman Empire. They're coming back in power. It's happening in Europe right now. And that's what's crazy is um, um, the Antichrist is going to come out of the European nations. And so that's what's going on right now. Um, verse, I want to read that. Um, I know I'm done. I'm out of time. So y'all bear with me. Um, it says, another horn, a little one, come among them before whom three of the first horns were plucked out by the roots. That's the Antichrist. When he comes into power, he comes to the UN and he takes up out three nations and just expels them. And that's what's going to happen. Say, uh, Antichrist comes in. He expels three nations out of, out of the UN, out of the ten. And then, uh, um, and then he sets himself as ruler. So he sets, he sets it up. He comes into power. Um, um, and that's when he starts blaspheming the word of God. He wants to change everything that ever related or relates to God, the true God. Because ultimately, he's going to want man to worship him. And so that's his ultimate vision. That's what Satan's ultimate mission is, is to have man worship him. So verse 9, I watched till, the, till thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, his, its wheels a burning fire. Verse 10, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. A thousand, thousand ministered to him. Ten thousand times, ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. This is Jesus coming, coming in and ultimately casting Satan. He, what's going to end up happening here is he's going to cast Satan into the pit for a thousand years. Um, he's going to destroy the Antichrist. The Antichrist, is, it says he's going, to, he's going to just do away with his body. It says, verse 11, I watched then them because of the sound of the pompous words, the blasphemous words which the horn was speaking, the Antichrist was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. That's where Satan is prolonged. He, he's defeated by a word out of, out of Jesus' mouth when he comes back. We're all coming behind him on white horses. And then uh, he casts him into the pit for a thousand years and then only to be loosed for a short season where he'll come back and, and tempt 
those that were here for the millennial kingdom, okay? He'll tempt them because you have to have a choice. You can't, there has to be a choice, good and evil. And so that's what's going to go on is Satan's going to be there to tempt and see which way they choose, okay? And then the great white throne judgment, okay? The great white throne judgment, that's where God comes down and sets his throne down and that's where Jesus judges. That's where these thousands... We're, um, we're ministering to him. That's the angels ministering to him. And then 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him in the court. Okay, that's the great white throne judgment. Anybody that's a born-again Christian will not attend that because Jesus has said, I'll be your lawyer. You don't need to show up. And that's whenever the, name, the books are open, it says right there, the book of life. If your name was not written in the book of life, right? We know that scripture is, is you know, depart from me for I never knew you. Uh, unfortunately, that's what they're going to hear. And Jesus is going to judge them. They're sitting there, and it's like the books are open. Their lives are, 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 you know, are put on the screen, if you will. And not only what was done every second of every day, but the motive, the motive, what motivated them to do what they did. And so if you're a born-again Christian, you got nothing to worry about. If you're not, I would definitely think twice about that choice. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He wants to save you. He wants you to come to heaven. He doesn't want you to attend that great white throne judgment because there, the only verdict that's going to be given is guilty. It's going to be a guilty verdict and instantly uh, cast into the lake of fire forever, never getting out for good behavior, never again to see the light of day, nothing but pain, suffering, and torment. And I'm glad that I've made that choice to not be there. And I hope that everybody in this room makes the same choice. Because God ultimately, he wants us to come hang out with him for eternity in paradise. I mean, if you would make the choice to hang out poolside now while you're in your physical body, instead of being in the middle of a burning fire in the forest, then why wouldn't you do that spiritually? Why wouldn't you make that choice spiritually for your spiritual life? Because this life is 70 years. It's a dot on the timeline. And eternity goes on and on and on until you can't even see the end of that line. And that's, I think, more important than, yeah, this life here that we spend about 70 average years. So, but I want to hurry up and finish. I'm pretty much done here. Um, um, Okay, uh, verse 14. Um, Actually, let's go 30. I was watching the night visions and behold, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Verse 14. Then him to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people's nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, excuse me, the one which shall not be destroyed. In other words, how long is the kingdom of God going to last forever everlasting it's our choice God loves us so much that he gave us a choice he gave us a choice he doesn't make us love him he doesn't make us choose him he gave us a choice and it's up to us what we do with that choice there will either be reward or there's going to be consequence you're either going to stand under grace and go on to heaven or you're going to stand under the law and you will be found guilty and hell is that destination God didn't make hell for us. He made it for the demons and Satan. 
But unfortunately, there's going to be a whole lot of people stomping all over the cross, getting to hell. But in the end, God's going to honor that choice. He's going to say, not my will, but yours be done. And boom. See, uh, there's no coming back, no getting out for good behavior. And so it's a choice that we have to make. And it's, if you've already made that choice, it's, it's, it's another choice for us to pass on to somebody else, to show them that, you know what, we all have a choice. God loves you. He wants you to come and spend eternity with him. You know, here's how you do that. That's what God wants us to do. That's what God has equipped each and every one of us to do. But it's up to us whether we get up off that couch or whether they get up off that pew or that chair and get out there and love them. Love them to the kingdom. Because that's ultimately what God has called us to do. So with that being said, we'll, we'll pick up because I'll probably be here next Wednesday, God willing, unless he calls us home. Um, we'll finish. We'll go from verse 15. Verse 15 on and we'll finish the chapter. No, we got 15. But anyway, I just want to say this. Daniel was perplexed. Daniel was, was troubled. So that's like a little cliffhanger, <laughs> if you will. Yeah, we'll, 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 y'all remember Paul Harvey? Paul Harvey? You'll, you'll get the rest of the story. So anyway, let's pray this up, and then uh, if y'all would come up and get us a song. Father God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your word, Lord. We just, Lord, we just ask that you would just embolden us, empower us, Lord, to, to serve you the way that you have called us to serve you, Lord, to reach out, to love those that are in our our. our our world, in our, in our lives, Lord, in our paths, Lord, I just pray that you would just strengthen us and equip us to, to, to witness to them, to minister to them, to show them, the, to tell them the good news, Lord, that, that there would not be anyone in our family or our circle of friends, Lord, that, that wouldn't have a choice, at least to hear the choice that they have to make, that the, the wisest choice that we need to make, and that would be to choose you because uh, everlasting life it's what it is. It's everlasting. It never ends. And we want to spend it with you, Lord. Help us to show them, not by, not by word, but by deed also. Lord, just, just fill us, anoint us, baptize us with the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would reach all those out there that, that are in our path, Lord, and that uh, they would see you. They would see you through us, Lord, and that they would come to a saving faith in you. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.